The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. Well, good morning this morning. Wasn't yesterday a beautiful day? Today's not bad, it's not raining. If you would turn to John chapter 19, we're continuing with uh, sayings from the cross this morning, and we have about three more weeks that we're going to be on this. Uh, And this morning in John chapter 19... Uh, we're going to talk about the third saying from the cross, and we're going to kind of approach it in a little different, uh, a little different way than maybe you've heard before, or you've seen before. But John chapter nineteen, uh, down in verse twenty-five, uh, and we can uh, we can even back up one verse. Uh, no, let's don't. Let's start right there in twenty-five. Uh, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother his mother's sister, and Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. And when, his mother saw, and when, he, when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, he said, Here is your mother. And from that day on, or from that time on, the disciple took her into his own home. If you and I had been around the uh, Jerusalem during the Passover in the afternoon which Jesus was crucified, I, I wonder how near the cross we would have stood. And we can think about that, and we really don't know what our answers would be. Uh, but, but when you think about that, we sang a song a while ago that says, Jesus, keep me near the cross. That's easy to sing, but sometimes it's difficult to do. If we say, Jesus, keep me near the cross, and if we go back to when Christ was crucified on the cross, to think about those had, who had, uh, I would say, enough guts to stand with Christ at the cross. You remember in Scripture, a lot of his disciples had went away, they had hidden, they had denied Christ, and here he was on the cross, and we see some people standing around the cross. And this morning, as I was thinking about that third word, I think helps us understand what it means to live our lives under the shadow of the cross, because these folks, I'm going to list five of them this morning, these folks that we're going to talk about, they were there, each of them thinking about their own personal reasons. Now, this is what I believe, and that's what I'm saying, this is my ideal, that, that as they saw the cross, as they saw the devotion of Christ on the cross... I was thinking how they must have felt, what they must have been thinking as they looked upon the cross, uh, realizing that Jesus Christ was their Savior, and maybe thinking back from the time they met Christ even. So this morning, that's what we're going to look at. And uh, the first character or the first person we see around the cross is Mary Magdalene. And what I want us to think about when we think about Mary Magdalene, for her, the cross was a place of redemption, And we see that Mary Magdalene, she had been delivered by Lord Jesus Christ. If you remember reading that story back in Luke chapter 8, verse 2, she was a woman who Jesus cast out seven demons. So she was a demon-possessed woman. Sin had had her bound up, and, and Jesus came. And when Jesus came, He offered her forgiveness. And she accepted forgiveness, and, and she was delivered from the power of sin to the power of the Savior. So if we look at Mary Magdalene, and we think about why is she there, because the cross is a place where she found redemption, a place where she went to Christ and, and saw her Savior and remembered the redemption that He had offered. And, and for her, that's the reason she's there, I believe. Now, 
Today, some of us also might need to find our place at the place of redemption. Uh, we need to come to that place. We're in need of a fresh start. You know, Mary was in the need of a fresh start, Mary Magdalene, when she, she was there. And, and to those of us that need a fresh start, today maybe the Holy Spirit would say to us, draw near the cross. And the Bible teaches if we draw near to Christ, He draws near to us. So, so if you think about the cross as a place of redemption and Mary Magdalene there, think about recognizing that Jesus, that God the Father sent Jesus. He came in human form. He came in the form of a man with, with one purpose. And this morning, I hope when I say one purpose for why Christ came, I hope everyone would understand that the only reason Christ came was to make a, a payment for our sins. That was his own purpose. And, and I would say, I always say ours, but I would say as you think about that, come to that point of your life saying, you know what, Jesus Christ came for one thing, and that was to save me from my sin. If there had only been one person that needed saving, Christ would have still came. So when we look at the cross and we remember what happened to Mary Magdalene, and we, we realize that it was a place of redemption, this morning I would ask you, do you, do you need to come to that cross for, for redemption? Or maybe you need to come for a fresh start. You know, we can look back from the beginning of our lives and, and say, boy, up to this point, I wish I could have changed some things. If I, could, if I could have lived and know what I knew now, I would change some things in my past. Well, the truth is we can't change from our past. Our past is who we are. But here's the great news. We can change now and have a brand new ending. Isn't that great? It, it don't have to be the same. It doesn't matter what our past shows, but we can say today I've drawn the line in the sand. I realize that Christ has bought me. He's redeemed me. He's paid for a price with me. And I'm going to have a new ending. And that ending may be 50 years from now or 70 years from now, or it may be two weeks from now. But but to say, okay, a place of redemption, a place where I can get a a fresh start because of the cross. That was Mary Magdalene. She came for the place of redemption. Here's the second person, the wife of Cleophas. For her, the cross was a place of resolve, a place of resolve. We know nothing else about this Mary, this third Mary, other than she was the wife of Cleophas. Now, however, uh, that name Cleophas tells her something significant about her because John mentions Cleophas by name as a person he knew, and he was a recipient of the gospel, of John's gospel. So we realize at some point... Cleophas accepted Christ as a personal Savior. Now his wife shows up at the cross. I think that's kind of interesting. We've, we've made a change, I think a great change uh, in our churches today. But you know, just a few years ago, what did most men do on Sundays? They sent their wife and kids to church, didn't they? And they smoked cigars and watched TV. I guess I don't know what they did, but, but to think about this... We see Cliff's wife there at the cross. Now, we don't know when Cliffus accepted Christ. Maybe, maybe he accepted sometime after the death of Jesus. We don't know that yet. But we do know this. His wife was there. In all likelihood, she was a believer. And if we start putting some Bible scriptures together and, and uh, we ask that case, where was he at? Maybe this is a passage of scripture that comes out of Timothy that says, you know, wise by your being submissive to God the Father, that your husbands may believe also. Maybe that was the first start for, for, Cleop- for, for Mary, the wife of Cleophas, that she, she came and she, she had a place of resolve. She said, I'm going to follow you, Christ, no matter what. I'm resolved to that. It doesn't matter who else is around the cross. It doesn't matter what the circumstances may be. I'm going to make a commitment, and I'm going to to have my resolve, and I'm going to place it in you. 
So as we look at this, this third Mary there at the cross, I think we find a, a place of resolve, a place where she said, I'm going to have real commitment. And, and this morning, if we tie that back to we are, maybe, maybe today the Holy Spirit would tell us, draw near the cross for your resolve. Draw near the cross that you may have a renewed commitment. Draw, draw to the cross that you, your family and your friends and those who you work, work with or those you attend school with, they may, they may see something and, and you inspire them and you motivate them because you've come apart in your life that you went to the cross and you left the cross with a new resolve. And that's to be a new person. The third person we find here at the cross is Salome. The, the cross for, for her was a place of rebu- a rebuke. Now, I want you to think about this. Salome was the name of Mary's sister, okay? Uh, not only Mary's sister, but she had some, some kids there too. You know, she was the mother of, of Jesus' cousins, and Jesus' cousin's name was James and John, and the wife of Zebedee. So let's get to the scripture that explains why this would be a place of rebuke for her. We remember her most of all because she made a request to Jesus while he was still on the earth. Now, y'all may or may not remember that, but in Matthew 20, 20 through 22, we see this, re- this request that Salome made to Jesus. Now, now, I want to remind you this. What Salome thought is Jesus was going to set up his earthly kingdom. And she came and asked Christ, I want my two boys on your right and left side. I want them to, I want them to be, to be where you are. I want them to be in your kingdom. I want them to be way up on the rung when you, when you start your new kingdom. So it was about that. This is Matthew 20, 20, 20 says it was about that time that the mother of Zebedee, uh, brothers came with her and her sons and knelt before Jesus with a, with a request. What do you want? Jesus asked. And she said, now I'm reading out of the message, so your translation that you have may be a little different, but this is just the, the uh, passage I want to use out of the message. What do you want, Jesus asked. And she said, give your word that these two sons of mine will be rewarded in the highest places of honor for your kingdom. One on your right hand, the other on your left hand. And here's Jesus' response. Jesus responded, you have no idea what you're asking he said, you don't, you don't understand what you're asking of me right now. And Jesus said to James and John, are you capable of drinking the cup that I'm about to drink? And they said, well, sure, why not? Now, I want you to think about what Salome is it's got to be going through her mind, doesn't it? That, that she, had came to, she had came to Jesus and she, she didn't really understand what Jesus was talking about. When he said, well, are, are you willing to, to, to take the cup that I've been given? Are you willing to drink of that cup? And of course, what Christ was talking about, he was talking about his death on the cross. And I think when he talked to Salome and he said, are they going to drink of the same cup or will they drink the same cup that I drank from? And, and they said, well, sure we will. They didn't know what type of commitment they were talking about. So I believe as, as uh, Mary stood there at the cross and, and she began to understand what Christ was talking about. Don't you know she felt corrected? She was rebuked by the cross, realizing that her desires were, were selfish desires for her sons. Her, her desires was all about putting her sons in a position of prominence. But as she looked at the cross and, and really understood that, that the cup Christ was talking about was going to the cross and dying on Calvary, it had to be a place of rebuke for her. 
Also, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you know, we're told that we're going to share in His sufferings. That's in 1 Peter 4.13. We're, we're told that in Colossians 1.24. Also, we're, we're called to drink of the cup that He drank from in Matthew 20.22, 20, which, which simply means for us we should be passionate about reaching out to others. That should be our goal. We should, we should have a passion for seeing peace, people come to Christ. And you say, well, I'm not comfortable uh, with, with going out and, and being a soul winner. Well, don't go out. Start at home. Start with your neighbors. Start with those who live close by. And if nothing else, just say, hey, won't you come to the church with me Sunday? Why don't, we, why don't you show up and, and uh, we'll, we'll go to church and I'll take you out to eat afterwards. Or, you know, people aren't going to turn down a free meal. So, so when we think about that place of rebuke, it also leads us to that place of, of where we find forgiveness and where we found joy. And, and the Bible says that, that there's all these people that are looking for forgiveness. They're looking for joy. They're searching in all different kind of places. And we have the right answers. And I think Salam understood that. First Peter 4.13, again, he was called, we're called to drink from that cup. I read this statement. It was from uh, Pastor Tra- uh, Michael Dean. He's at Travis Avenue Baptist Church in Fort Worth. When he was talking about what it means to have passion, what it, what it means to see others coming to Jesus, what it means to suffer and what, what may need to happen necessarily. He said this about the true Great Commission Church. And I want you to hear this. If you don't get anything, get this right now. We don't exist as a church for ourselves. We exist for the people who aren't here yet. And that makes so much sense as a, as a church. We're not, we're, we don't exist for ourselves. Now we come and we get recharged on Sunday and we, we hear God's Word and hopefully we live here filled with joy and, and filled with uh, 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 an understanding that we have eternity, we have a security in our Lord Jesus Savior. But we come to church that we might reach those that are not in church, that we may reach things that, that they've not heard. He, he goes on and says this, that has implications in every aspect of the church and every aspect of church lives. Everything from the parking lot to the buildings to the schedules to the programs, everything needs to be geared to those who are not yet in church. But in most churches, it's just the opposite. They are geared to accommodate the people who are there. Live churches have space problems, parking problems, classrooms problems. Dead dead churches have no worry about space. Live, Live churches see things changing. Dead churches always stay the same. Live churches has noisy children and young people. Dead churches are fairly quiet and serene. Live churches struggle to remember new names. I've been here 22 years and I draw a blank on y'all a lot of times. (laughs) Tracy. (laughs) Tracy Warrior back there is a great example. Her name's not Tracy or or Warrior. (laughs) And I'd tell you her name if I could remember it right now, but... Gwendolyn. <laughs> uh, Savage. <laughs> That's close to Tracy Warrior, but uh, live churches, churches that are, uh, that are moving, they, they have trouble remembering new, remembering new names, but in that dead church, everybody knows everybody and has for years. Now, there's nothing wrong with everybody knowing everybody, but the idea is we'd bring others in and we'd get to know them the same. Dead churches, they use the same leaders over and over. New churches have the problems of developing new leaders. Live churches spend much on missions. Dead churches like to keep it at home. Live churches 
Live churches operate primarily on faith, and dead churches totally on side. Live churches strain to learn and to serve. Dead churches seek rest and comfort. Live churches energize. Dead churches fossilize. So this morning as we think about where do we want to be as a church. Now when you think about the church, don't think about East Delta. Don't think about this building because you're the church. Each person here that's accepted Jesus Christ as a personal Savior, you are the church. And we come together as a, as a body of believers and we say we come to church. But the reason we come to church is we are God's body. We're His feet, we're His hands, we're, we're His action out in the world. And, and you are the church. So when you look at this, think about where am I at when we think about being a great, great commission church? Am, am I living in my comfort zone and saying, you know, all is well. I don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to mess anything up. And besides that, we get a bunch of new people. We're going to lose control. You know, churches think that sometimes. But that's when we get back to that ideal is churches don't exist for us. They exist for those who are not yet here. So for some of us, Christ may be calling us to get out of that comfort zone. Christ might be calling us to, to teach what Christ is all about and not to live in comfort our four walls of the buildings. If, if He finds us fulfilling the Great Commission, if we came today and as a church begin to fill the Great Commission, that's go and tell and spread the gospel. You know, we wouldn't have enough room in this building to contain people. If, if us, I would even guess if half of us, if half the church would follow that, that commission that God has given us to go teach and tell and preach, then, then we would be busting at the doors. That's what the Bible tells us. We're going to get to that scripture in just a moment. So we see a place of rebuke for Salome. Now for Mary, the, the cross was a place of reward. I'm talking about Mary, uh, Jesus' mother. As, as Mary stood in front of the cross that day, maybe she even thought back of the words of Simeon. If you remember, uh, Simeon had a, had a word for, for Mary, and he said this in Luke 2, 34 through 35, "...this child is destined to the cause and the falling." and the rising of many in Israel. And to be a sign to that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. A sword will pierce your own soul too. Don't you think Mary may have been thinking about those words? Thinking about why her son was born. If, If you think about it, she could have possibly spared her son's life. Now, we have a lot of mothers here. And if, if, your, if your son had gone and been falsely accused, that was Jesus. If he had been unjustly tried, that was Jesus. As a mother, you would do anything you could to keep that sentence from being carried out, wouldn't you? You would say, well, he's insane. You need to let him go. He, listen to how he speaks. He's insane. He's my son and I've watched him grow up. Just give him back to me and I'll, I'll take care of him. She could have had all of these arguments arguments, but I won't get it one of these days. Uh, he could have had, she could have had all these arguments against why Jesus Christ didn't need to die. But, but here's the thing we need to understand about Mary. She understood why her son died and the way her son died because she had faith. She found more than her son, Jesus Christ, as a son. She found her son as a Savior. So when we look at Mary and we think about what she sees there at the cross, Mary was willing to die to her own desires to submit to God's desires. You hear that? She was, she was willing to die to her own, her own desires, her own wishes, her own, her own uh, way that she wanted to go, and she was willing to be submissive because she knew God had something far greater for her son 
that he would have upon this earth. And, and that moved over into her life far greater than she had ever expected because Jesus, through God the Father, poured out a blessing upon Mary because she finds herself there at the cross. She had to be reminded of the fact that Jesus died so that, that we might live, that we might live for eternity. So, so we, need, we need to submit ourselves to Christ and, and start afresh and anew. Here's the fifth person, the last person this morning. For John... The cross was a place of responsibility. If you go back and look at our scripture we looked at this morning, Jesus gave a a, a huge responsibility to John to take care of his mother. I mean, Mary received a blessing through that. She she had someone that was going to provide, somebody that was going to help her uh, carry out the rest of her life. But for John, the cross was a, a place of responsibility. As Jesus stood there at the at John stood there at the at the feet of the foot of the cross, he was given a responsibility. He was at the cross, he saw the cross, and and he was more than willing to assume his responsibility. So if we find ourselves today around the cross, would we find that cross as a place of responsibility? A place where Christ has looked at us and said, and here's your ministry, and here's why I've planted you in your field, and and here's where I want you to bloom. And and because of that, because you've been to the cross, because you were around the cross, I want to send you, and I'm going to give you an area of responsibility. And you know, the Bible talks about, we talked about rewards a few weeks ago, and the Bible talks about when we take up that role of being responsible for what we've heard and what we've seen in Scripture, God says, I have a crown for you in glory. I have a, I have a special reward for you in glory. When we realize that, that we have a responsibility as Christians, God didn't call us and set us aside just to, to come to a church service, sing a few hymns, and go on our own way. He's called us to have responsibility to spread His gospel. Think about this, church. If we don't spread His gospel, who will? That's our commission. We're born again. We're, we're ministers. We're, we're fellow laborers. And, and we're to go out. It says in the Scripture that, that the, the fields are wide unto harvest, but the workers are few. All the way back to Jesus' time, even up to today, the fields are wide unto harvest, but the workers are few. Laborers are few. Why does, why does this situation come year after year and year? I think there, there's never enough laborers. I think for myself, I can speak for myself here. If, if we really understood, and I really understood what it'll be like after Christ comes and people are left upon the earth and, and their sentence is death and eternal damnation, if, if we could ever really comprehend what that is, I think that would, that would, we'd, we'd increase that responsibility of knowing what God has entrusted me to bring all I can to Him through repentance of our sins. Luke 10, 2 says, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I want you to listen to this. This morning, if you'd make this prayer, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, that He would send out workers into the harvest field. This morning, if you'd pray, you know, Lord, there's, there's, the fields are white unto harvest. And Lord, would you send out workers to His field? I want you to look at the first few lines in verse 3. Jesus said, Go, I'm sending you. That's our commission. For all of us, that's the commission. You, you say, well, you're the preacher and i got Sunday school teachers, but, but don't forget, God has saved you and He's placed you where He wants you to be and, and He wants you to bloom there and He's given you that area of responsibility. And, and Jesus says, I see the, they're wide into harvest. I see that there's a few workers and, and you're praying that I'll send workers, so go, I'm sending you. 
The Holy Spirit says to us, draw near to the cross. And as we, we think about that place of the cross and we see those five people around the cross, a place of redemption for some, a place of resolve for others, a, a place of rebuke. The cross is a place of a reward and also a place of responsibility. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? And Father, this morning as we just went through uh, these words and I stumbled through, Father, I pray that your Spirit would make them real within our hearts, within our lives. I pray, Father, that they'd be relevant today to us in this place, Lord. And Father, I pray that we would ask ourselves tomorrow, where would I be around the cross today? Have we made that commitment to Jesus Christ that that Mary Magdalene made, that that was a place of, of redemption a place where I can find forgiveness of sins, a place where I can find the joy of the Lord within me. Maybe today you need to come to the cross and say, you know, I've, I've not been redeemed. I've not been bought out of this sin package. I, 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 have not, I haven't found Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I believe in Him. I believe in God the Father. But maybe you've never asked Him into your heart. The cross for you today is a place of redemption. May today, it's a place of resolve. You say, I've kind of fallen off the wagon a little bit. I I need to get back and I need to get my relationship right again with Christ. I need to have a new resolve today. Maybe that's where you find yourself at the cross. Maybe you find yourself at the cross and, and it's a place of rebuke. You realize that, that too many times you've, you've went in your own ways and your own selfish desires and your own ideals when, when Christ was wanting you and leading you in a different direction. And today you, you find a resolve to say, all right, Lord, I'm, I'm committed to you and I'll follow you. You know, Christ doesn't want us to die for him. He wants us to live for him and have a resolve. The cross is a place of rewards for many. When we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we receive an award. When we go to heaven, he'll have a crown for us that we've accepted him as our personal Savior. Or maybe today you'd realize, well, I'm I'm born again. I'm where Christ wants me. But you know what? There's got to be something more. And I, I want to take that responsibility that God has gave me. And I want, to, I want to be true to that responsibility. I want to carry out that commission given to me. As we pray together this morning, I want to ask you to lift up a prayer and, and ask the Holy Spirit to kind of show you where you are at the cross. And Father, this morning as we think about those around the cross... We see some soldiers there that was there out of duty. But Father, we find others there that found the hope, found the word, found, found the needs they were looking for as they hear you speak from the cross. Today, Father, I pray your spirit would draw us near the cross. Father, I pray we would examine ourselves. And Father, where we find ourselves lacking, we would surrender to you. Lord, as we're praying this morning, I pray that you'd you'd open our minds and open our eyes to where we are around that cross today. Lord, we just trust your spirit today. We we trust that you'll move within our hearts. We trust that you'll call us unto yourself. Father, I pray this morning for each one of us here. I pray, Lord, that our, our walk would be in you. I pray that we would be fulfilling that great commission at the very least, just asking some folks to come and visit, just, just saying, hey, i got some good news. I've got a good word, and, and I want you to share it with you. Lord, I pray that in our lives, in our daily time of prayer, in our daily time of Scripture reading, Father, we would just ask you to help us through the power of the Spirit to bind Satan away from us, that we would be able to follow through 
what you desire for us. And we pray this in the name of Jesus.